Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Sarah Yacoub of the Manaqua Brewing Company Super Pack is on the Mississippi River. And up on Lake Manaqua is Kirk Bangstead of the Manaqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome. You're up north. Won't you let me die? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankshead from the Monaco Brewing Company. And I'm Sarah Yacoub from the Monaco Brewing Company Super PAC. And I'm Pat Kreitlow, founder of UpNorthNewsWI.com, a similarly named but entirely separate state-based news site that we'll talk about later. But first, we want to introduce this week's edition to the lineup. Uh, guest co-host Chris Bremer joins us. Uh, normally from Manaqua, she's somewhere else today, but we're going to go along and say she's she's on Manaqua because, as you know, for those of you that catch us on the video feed, she had the good sense to put up a you know a, a rustic background behind her so doesn't matter where you are chris welcome you're you're you are still up north thank you thank you in my heart always that's right well, and- pat you do you know that you don't know this well you might have learned in earlier before we got on the air but that is chris's awesome new grain house that i think her hubby might have built for her yeah. last year during covid right yeah that's right chris I married- we have to go off the grid and so we uh we built a greenhouse so we could chris, go chris is married food. to one of the last renaissance men left in the world so there's, <laughs> there's, well, there's very little he can't do well when you're when you're sheltering at home and you're handy i mean just imagine mm-hmm. what you can do no <laughs> look at I that mean, honestly the, the, as mechanical as i get was was putting up and now taking down the hammock that that was my big chore <laughs> for the weekend and and that was heartbreaking enough. Um, so now the only the closest thing we get to a hammock is is that Sarah is sitting in one of those hammock chairs still recovering from the the broken knee. I got a feeling, Sarah, that you've already you're you're fully recovered, but you're you're milking this now. I mean, you get to sit in the nice comfy chair. I, I, I do enjoy the um, egg chair here, but I, I am looking forward to getting back to my normal human being chair, my normal human being desk. <laughs> <laughs> that day that will day will come um so we we uh last week we were kind of mourning that the the brewers had been eliminated this week uh we can say the the bucks are already on their way to a second championship you know second straight championship after winning their uh, season opener against the, the brooklyn nets and now when i say bucks and six Kirk knows what I'm talking about now because Kirk isn't always plugged so, into the ways of major sports. So just j- just like just like normal, Pat, I know very little about basketball, but I did notice that these rings were like super like glammy. Like, do you have you do you what's are they made out of diamonds? Chris, oh, yes. do you know this? Yeah. Sarah, yeah. All over, diamond. there's diamonds on the whole ring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All over the place. I mean, you you normally have to you don't normally only see that on trial attorneys like Chris Bremer. Do you see rings like that with you know that much ice on something? But <laughs> the bling is is big. Yeah, the, if you're a, well, if you're a basketball star. Um, you know, the other thing that they've got in in that particular uh, ring is um, what's it called a, a QR code. You can actually open up the top. There's a QR code, and you can scan it with your phone and see video highlights of the Bucks winning the the World Championship. So that that oh. was uh, that was it's. They're, if that's they're playing thirty years from now, then uh, then that's not going to be good. I no, they have that I, clip thirty years from now. Yep, but I, you know, we also <laughs> wanted to note, and we noted at, at Up North News when we were showing off the ring ceremony, we got to remember that 
um, the Bucks playoff run. This is not just some Milwaukee story. There are people from up north came down. People from all over Wisconsin went to Milwaukee. That brought in sixty million dollars in economic development, and because of the way the state has set things up, uh, the Republican legislature actually Milwaukee did not see a ton of that. A lot of it went into uh, state coffers instead. So, you know, one way or another, we all benefited to some degree from from that playoff run. Uh, in my never my never ending quest to tie us all together. We are one Wisconsin. We are we are all up north, no matter what part of the state that we're in. Hey, we're going to take a break right now. And then when we come back, we're going to talk with Chris Freemer a little bit more about uh, what's happening with some of our special uh, frontline workers who are having to deal with a, a pandemic that just does not seem to end. So we'll do that after this. You're up north. Teach your children well. Their father's hell did slowly go by. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll once again get into Teach the Children Well and Teach the Children Safely in a moment. First, uh, as always, we want to thank our radio hosts at News Talk 92.7, our broadcast home every Wednesday evening at 7. You can use the Devil Radio app to catch our show or any of the fine programs on the home of Devil's Advocates Radio. As a podcast, you can catch us weekends on our website, upnorthpodcast.com and all the usual places where you can subscribe and listen to us. And as for my day job, I would invite you to discover Wisconsin's top stories and headlines over at Up North News. Search your favorite social media feed for Up North News WI. Don't forget the WI on Facebook, Instagram, or your Twitter machine, Sarah. And now it's time to turn our attention to how the people who've politicized a pandemic are now dragging their brand of politics into our schools. We'll talk about the toll it's taking on teachers in a moment. But before we get to the teachers, we should note the other way that it's dividing our communities. You've heard us talk about the upheaval uh, on school boards in Fall Creek and Somerset. But as we reported uh, today on Up North News, Wisconsin is second only to California in the number of school board recall efforts based either in COVID safety or, surprise, surprise, the phony crisis about whether history classes should teach accurate and truthful history. There are 36 school board members in 16 Wisconsin districts facing recall, each one forcing taxpayers to pony up the cost of holding an unnecessary election, Kirk. All right. So um, first of all, I'd like to welcome and just say a personal welcome to Chris Bremer, who's uh, not only been my friend up north, one of my first friends up north, but also a true mentor to me in um, in how to try to be a, a strong progressive in the north northern part of Wisconsin without hanging your head and crying sometimes. So, uh, Chris, thank you so much for being my friend and thanks for being here today. Oh, it's an honor to be with you guys. I love it. Cool. So, um, Chris is obviously, uh, uh, she's a personal injury lawyer. She has her own firm. And so she knows a lot about how teachers might be able to protect themselves from instances when they're in classrooms uh, full of kids that haven't been vaccinated. Um, just before I even ask you about that, Chris, the, the reason I even got onto this topic is last week we had uh, a woman named Tasha who was an art teacher uh, from Fall Creek who was given the option to either teach in front of unmasked kids while she had just given birth. So she had a newborn uh, or she had to quit. She felt like she had to quit and then this, the school board is now uh, taking her to court for $3,000 for breach of contract. And I thought that was just about as terrible as, as possible. And then another thing happened. I had a teacher message me from Minnesota who said she 
she had to get life insurance through her school district. And they ask her all about these COVID questions. And is it how often are you in front of people that don't have masks? And she had to answer truthfully. And she was worried sick that she wouldn't get life insurance. And she had seemingly valid reasons. So that's got my kind of brain going on. What are what recourse do teachers have um, if, if they're put in position that they just can't manage uh, and they think they might get COVID? So that is uh, that's a legal question for you, Chris. Especially in the post in the post act 10 world that we're in now, Chris. Right. Absolutely. Act 10 changed everything. You know, um, Wisconsin was, if you look in terms of the history of labor in Wisconsin and teachers, um, one of the most famous cases came out of Hortonville. And that was when there was a strike and 88 teachers were fired. Um, the went to the Court of Appeals and went all the way up to the United States Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled that the Hortonville Board of Education had the right to fire those teachers for going on strike. That was in 1974. After that, the law changed. So we had a mandatory collective bargaining uh, arbitration agreements in Wisconsin and strikes really stopped because um, they were guaranteed settlements. They would bring in mediators and they would always work to settle. I, I personally was very much involved when I was on the Wausau School District Board of Education as the president. I sat on the floor of my office all night one night with the teachers negotiating. So, you know, you, you do these things. And in, in those cases, we always work together and we got, got it done. But strikes have really not happened in Wisconsin. The last time there has been a strike, and I want to talk about strikes just a little bit in this context because it's important to what the teachers can do. You know, we had 2,600 uh, teachers um, during the Act 10 protests, as Pat, I know you remember, 2,600 teachers took off two days and they didn't call it a strike. They just called it, it was more or less a sick out. And um, there wasn't discipline, there could have been, but there wasn't much discipline at all pointed for that. But you can be discharged for striking if you call it a strike. So teachers are smart enough not to call it a strike. They call it a, um, they call it a sick out or they worked a contract where they only work the exact number of hours and they don't do any of the extracurricular things. So there's things that teachers can do for purposes of labor and protection. But um, strikes just really don't happen in Wisconsin anymore, Kurt. And it's because they really are illegal and because teachers don't want to risk their jobs. And um, you know the only thing that they can do under Act 10 for collective bargaining now is bargain wages only up to the consumer price index if there's an inflationary um, rate, uh, you know, wage wage increase. So that's it. Well, I definitely want to get back to the strike thing, but uh, I don't want to derail what the, the some of the uh, the the real um, guts of what is the legality of actually so of, of a teacher being. Um, forced to go into front, front of students who potentially 30 different students an hour who are, uh, who are not masks and, um, and are not been vaccinated. Um, is that legal? And if it's, if it's legal, what can teachers do to not to get to, if, if they're worried about getting, especially if they have a newborn kid or something, what can they do to protect themselves? Other than well, just wearing can, their own mask. Obviously. Yeah, they can. First of all, I'm going to talk a little bit about central Wisconsin because that's in northern Wisconsin. That's where I'm from. And that's what I know. And um, I know people that are on the board and they've given me information about it. But, you know, if a teacher needs an accommodation, for instance, because they have some kind of an underlying disability that would put them more at risk for COVID than someone else, for instance, 
under the Americans with Disabilities Act, they have the right to request that they can go to HR and in writing request um, an accommodation. And if the board, if the school district can give them one, and they usually do, they move them into another room or allow them to go virtual if they're very uncomfortable, if the class can be taught virtually, they will give them an accommodation. Um, and so that's what they can do. I think people don't realize they do have rights under the ADA for this very purpose. So if you have, but you have to be able to prove you have a disability and you need a doctor to write a note or give it, get a medical record and get it to HR. And then they would be able to bring that to HR and say, look, I need an accommodation for this reason. The woman that you, that you outlined who had that horrible situation with, you know, having just had a baby. And then um, I don't, I don't know all the facts of that exactly, but you know, there is a law in Wisconsin called the Fair Labor Act. And if, um, if she was, if they discriminated against her in any way because of her pregnancy or the delivery of that baby, she has a right to bring an action under the Fair, La Fair Labor Act. So I would think that she should pursue that. Um, the other thing that workers have a right to, and there is no presumption in favor of teachers, there is a presumption in favor of um, people that are um, law enforcement and firefighters and first responders, that if they get COVID in the course of their duty during the emergency period, it was presumed that they got it on the job and that workers' comp benefits would pay. That was um, Act 185. But, but that didn't apply to teachers. So um, if a teacher gets COVID and wants, you could claim workers' comp benefits if she could prove, he or she could prove that they got COVID at school. And so, just think about how hard that would be to prove that. So, you, you know, it's the causation issue is almost impossible. So you, you could do it. You just have to come in and say, these were the hours I worked. There were this many kids in my classroom that had COVID. I didn't go out anywhere else. You know, you'd have to do an affidavit almost and say all the things you did during the time period where you were exposed and that you got COVID. And then if you did get it, you would be entitled to workers' compensation benefits as partial lost wages and your, all your medical bills paid. And if you had long-term COVID, I guess you could get a permanent disability. So there are things in the law under the ADA, under the Fair Labor Employment Act, and also under um, workers' comp that would protect a teacher. Um, but they have to enforce them. And the trouble is right now, and Pat knows this because you know he certainly served, um, that in our legislature, but you know, there just is no real protection for teachers anymore. The unions have been just gutted. Um, Chris, and so there's nothing going on for them. Nobody's helping them. What do you say to the teacher who says, look, I have these rights, but I'm gonna be retaliated against if I exercise them. I'm gonna be demoted. I'm gonna be punished in some way. What recourse do those teachers have for speaking out, being the squeaky wheel, and exercising those rights, uh, and then proving that the treatment that followed was connected? Well, you know, if it's a workers' comp claim, there's an anti-retaliation statute that would be enforceable against them. You know, if a teacher goes forward in a way where she, he or she is really truly upset about something. I don't know if you saw in the press that guy that built a little cage around himself and in his classroom and um, he, his father died of COVID and he just didn't want to be around his kids. So he built this little cage in the corner with plastic and uh, he was sitting in there and they said, okay, we're going to accommodate you. And they moved him into another room. So he didn't have to sit with his kids. I think that most school districts in good faith would try to accommodate people who really had an issue. Um, you know, it, 
if it, if someone is just you call them a squeaky wheel, but you know if if some teacher is known to be a troublemaker to by the administration, they're going to know that and they're going to give them trouble. That's you're absolutely right about that, Sarah. But if someone goes in with a letter from their doctor and says these are the reasons I have these health, underlying health conditions, or my husband does, or my children do, I cannot do this. Then they would you would try to get a virtual you know job or do some teaching that could be done virtually. But there are ways, to, there are workarounds on these things that are important that people are aware of. So but people should know their rights and they should know that they definitely can claim under the ADA a disability and try to get accommodated or they can also make a workers' comp claim. They'd have to do the proof. But a good workers' comp lawyer can direct them on how to do the proof. So it sounds like, I mean, you've given us a little history of, of so many times that the teacher's profession has been decimated in terms of pay and in terms of protections that potentially policemen and firemen have, but they don't have. Um, right. there's, there's an article that somebody in a DPI sent me that said teachers, especially in Wisconsin, but are, are leaving in droves from the profession because they were forced to do, you know, superhuman things, uh, you know, remotely last year. And now they are, um, you know, there, you know, there are school boards that are being overrun from by a, strat, a, a conservative right-wing strategy to overrun school boards who are being malicious to teachers. So, you know, you said the school boards have become so weak that they can't, or the school, the, the teachers' unions have been decimated in Act 10, they become so weak um, to be able to actually protect teachers. To me, that's, that's the time when if you've got nothing to lose because you've lost every ability to protect yourself or, or, or as an industry, like make, make your lives better, that's the time when people do strike. And we're seeing strikes all over the country. John Deere, um, Kellogg's, Kaiser Permanente, all the nurses who have been put through hell over the last year and a half. Like, yes, it's against the law, but 100 oh, years but, ago, but Kirk, weren't all not, strikes but, against the law? Kirk, it's not against it for them. They've, they've all got union representation. That's what Act 10 did, was it? All, everything that Chris mentioned, and Chris, you've got you've got skills too numerous to, to mention, but you laid out the Fair Labor Employment Act, Workers' Compensation, Americans with Disabilities Act, when before all of that, there was one thing that protected teachers and other workers more so than, you know, uh, in other points of our history, and that was collective bargaining, the ability to get together and, and, and bargain in numbers, and, you know, uh, Chris, I mean, it, it really does come down to that because there's not really wildcat strikes are not really a, you know, something that is happening in any of those situations, though. I, I don't doubt that if one was started, Kirk would be first on the line, you know, to, to back. <laughs> but them. let me just say, you know, school boards often reflect communities and communities reflect school boards. And, and so in this case, I just want you to hear what I've learned from one of the school board members up here that, there are three, talking of six communities, uh, Wisconsin Rapids, Marshfield, and Stevens Point all have mask mandates. Wausau, Mosinee, and D.C. Everest up near Wausau do not. It's, it's all, all totally up to the teachers. And when they compared the infectious rates between those two, it was 0.3% versus 0.7%, not even 1%. 0.03%. So it's, it is um, a very, very small rate. And the difference between them for mandated and not mandated is very little. And what we found was that even in the Wausau School District, where teachers have can wear a mask if they want to, they're not wearing them. So 
I don't think that there is necessarily consensus, just as there isn't in this country, at least up north, um, on this issue, and that many teachers also don't want to wear masks. And so you have to understand that a strike, a statewide strike, just wouldn't happen. And if teachers wanted to do it on an individual basis, it would be very difficult for them. I definitely understand that. I uh, I, I do agree that the, they're not ready. Um, I've I've talked to talked to many um, union members, and the teachers in Wisconsin aren't ready to take that sort of action. I just worry that at some point there's not going to be a lot of left for them to fight for. Well, that's just it. And that that's where, again, lacking that protection in, in collective bargaining, you, you need folks like Chris here and, and her other colleagues. You know, uh, uh, Dana Walks is a good friend of both of ours, you know, in the Eau Claire area and all, all sorts of other folks who deal with people who've had to deal with these uh, dangerous workplace situations. And it's it's terrible and it's probably not getting better anytime soon, but at least there's some advocates uh, like you out there, Chris. Can you hang around for the rest of the show and talk with Senator Jeff Smith next? Sure, I'd love All to. All right, well, let's, let's do that. We're gonna switch gears for a bit here. We're gonna talk about the assault on voting rights and um, the, the weird little investigation of Mike Gableman. Coming back after this, you're up north. Hey, welcome back to The Cabin. This is the Up North Podcast, heard live on Wednesday nights on the radio and on the weekends, wherever you find your new favorite Wisconsin podcast. I'm Pat Kreitlow, along with Sarah Yacoub and Kirk Bankstead. And we uh, we play that song not so much for the Pink Panther, but for the bumbling Inspector Clouseau, uh, which we have in um, you know the form of former Justice Michael Gableman, who is now investigating elections uh, fraud that never existed. So... Kirk, we're going to have to get into that by uh, a visit with my big brother from another mother. Yeah, and I definitely want to hear the story of why you call him the big brother from another mother, not on this podcast. <laughs> um, but uh, but yes, we have Senator Jeff Smith from rural Eau Claire County up, up in our neck of the woods, and he's a member of the Senate Committee on Elections, and he's certainly been following the efforts by Assembly Speaker Robin Voss. Uh, <coughs> I just got a terrible cold and other Republicans to undermine the integrity of our elections. And folks are realizing that Michael Gableman, the former right-wing state Supreme Court justice, is getting paid a lot of our hard-earned taxpayer money by Robin Voss to conduct a quote-unquote investigation is really not so good at being an investigator. So we appreciate Senator Smith being here. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you. I, I do like that intro music. That was just perfect for the inspector Gableman. Um, <laughs> that's that's, that's going to stick. It's yeah, gonna... well, I mean, just let's go back to August mm -hmm. when he led uh, um, Elections Commissioner Bob Spindell and Representative Ramson and himself to visit the guru of uh, the, the big lie, Mike Lindell in New Richmond. The pillow to, guy. Yeah, to hear all this stuff. You know, it's, it's so it is so maddening. Um, that we are having to still talk about this this mess that they are trying to create. Well, it'd be one thing if if he had just if uh, we're we're talking big at the bar, you know, as they say. But the the things that he's doing, he he can't even give the air of authority because uh, you know, like our one headline said at Up North News, Gableman's election probe started out badly. It's gotten even worse. 
you know, we've, we've got the way that he bumbled the initial emails that came from a, a John Delta, I think, and, you know, an, an unsecured uh, Gmail account, asked uh, for, you know, records that were already public, threatened to subpoena people, then he pulled it back. Now he says it's back on. Um, and it's somebody in, in Gableman who said he really doesn't understand how elections work. And Jeff, I know that you and, and some of your colleagues uh, have introduced legislation that maybe would suggest that, that you know, elected officials should know how elections work and maybe volunteer at some of them now and then. Yeah, that's actually, thanks, Pat, for bringing that up. I appreciate that. And you, as you know, Pat, this has been, um, good government and elections have been a high priority for me since you and I got into this business so long ago. And so I do know how elections work. I was, and I was in town government and clerks, you know, whether you, whether you have a different philosophical or political view with someone, clerks are the ultimate professionals and take great pride in what they do on election day. And, uh, and so it's, it's embarrassing, it's frustrating, and we've seen clerks um, actually resign their position because of the pressure that they're putting on, on them and because of the lie that they, that they, uh, that they keep spouting our clerks have had to hide from their neighbors, you know, and, and can't go to the grocery store without being yelled at. And it's, it's as bad as school board. So, you know, so who, who's going to want to serve their communities after this mess that we've just got, we're going through right now. I've been uh, lucky enough since at least 2005 to be a, an election volunteer. And I've been in the boiler room uh, since 2008, uh, running the state boiler room for the Democratic Party. And, and um, I can just tell you that in our last election, we had almost, it was so quiet, it was extremely boring. I mean, we didn't have any issues. And, you know, beforehand, I was calling clerks and making certain there wasn't going to be problems because we were worried about people being harassed at the polls, but there was nothing. And um, the clerks were, just like you said, Jeff, they were extremely courteous whether they were and they knew I was a Democrat whether they're Republicans or not and up north they're almost all Republicans but um you know they were they were very very courteous and helpful it's just pathetic that this is going on it's so biased and the guy doesn't he even admits he doesn't know how an election runs now right. most lawyers don't get paid to learn law and uh that's what they're we're paying him for yeah learn, learn on the job it's our taxpayer money and so it's this this joke um, Senator, is there a way that we can stop this, curtail this, or do we just all have to sit back and watch our tax dollars go down the tube here? Well, Sarah, I'm afraid so, um, as far as those of us who know that, who, who actually uh, admit the truth, we, the ones who, who won't admit the truth, they could put a stop to it, but, uh, it, but it actually plays well to this small base of theirs, the January 6th group, I like to say. Um, who want to continue to bubble up this, you know, keep this thing boiling and simmering because when the next election comes, they're hoping they're going to be intimidating uh, voters and, and uh, at the polling places and doing all the things that they can do to uh, keep people uh, from uh, performing their constitutional right to vote. And we need to do all we can, I think, down the road, Sarah, instead of I guess there's nothing we're going to do about the $650,000 that Robin Voss is handing out of your money, uh, but we're going to have to look ahead and be sure we're protecting 
people's right to vote as we move forward. Well, what, what we can do, and then uh, Kirk's got a question for you next, but the thing that I think can be done, you can't stop what's going on, you can't stop the farce, but you can continue to shine a light on it. And that's the thing that's most important is not to say, well, it's it's a sideshow. We hope it goes away. No, that's that's what they want. And it's to call out every bit of bumbling, every bit of anything that appears extra legal, every bit of something that seems like it's being done in the dark, like Assembly Speaker Voss saying that he's not going to release certain records. Only Gableman will get to see yeah. these records. And so, you know, you're you're going to continue to shine a light on these things, you know, as, as are we and others. Uh, Kirk, you had a question next. You definitely said, I mean, this is damaging. So I, I remember this was on Rachel Maddow. It's not like this is happening in a vacuum. I mean, nationally, the bumbling of Gableman is being is being on like NBC on Rachel Maddow show. But she said, this is it's absurd right now. But the damage is being done. And you said the damage is being done with clerks. And, you know, and then this and I want to kind of tip tiptoe into this being school boards being overtaken and all issues like critical race theory and Gableman because not only were clerks going to be resigning if, if people are harassing them, school board members, like you said, are going to be resigning and they already have. And when the recall elections come, this is an actual strategy by the Republican Party, by the conservative uh, right wing to to make people second guess our elections, make people second guess public schools um, and and make people second guess our local government. And if you're going to second guess all that stuff, then you're going to get engaged to put extremists in those positions, um, because those are the only people I say this in extreme quotes that you can trust if you're listening to all these lies. So that's my take on it. But I'd love to hear your take on I mean, this is like a bigger issue than just the Gableman investigation. This is an onslaught of str strategic, a strategic onslaught against Wisconsinites from the right. It's true, Kirk. It is all connected. It is all connected because we are currently not doing anything that we should be doing, for instance, to curtail COVID-19, right? To, to do, to, and all the other things we could be doing with the money that's coming in, we could be, we could actually be uh, right now digging those trenches, putting that fiber into every household in Wisconsin because of the money that we know we have in our, in our treasury. We, we have all the opportunity to revamp the school funding formula and to make sure all of our kids are getting the education they deserve and doing it the right way and looking out for each other and wearing the masks that need to be worn, especially by school children so they don't get sick and that their staff, the teachers stay healthy. All those things, we're not doing that, Kurt. We're not doing anything like that. Instead, we're spending all of our time fending off the Republicans who continue to um, do all the things you just mentioned, which are tied together, enraged people about masks so that they go and make fools of themselves at school board meetings, enraged people about the election that we know was democratically decided and all, and all the right things were done. And it, just, it's, it's, uh, it is just a strategy and it goes back, let's go all the way back to, not all the way back, not that far long ago, but before the election, Trump was saying this election is already uh, uh, stolen. He was say, telling them, how does it, it doesn't take a genius to start thinking, stopping and thinking, of, well, wait a minute, what was, what was, what's going on here? Why are you saying that now? You know, and it, it really is frustrating that people get so caught up in this, that they, that they start to really uh, lose a grasp on reality. 
Well, they or they lose faith in the system and then they don't vote, which is something we're going to be fighting against here. So, Jeff, you've talked about uh, some. I'm sorry, I should treat you with more decorum. So, Senator, you, you, you talked to uh, Senator. Oh, you would do that, Senator. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. <laughs> ah, the professional courtesy. It's it's running thick here. Let's go from the 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 assaults on democracy outside of your committee room to the ones taking place right inside your own committee and, and, and in the Capitol where uh, bills have been introduced to basically decide who qualifies for absentee ballots, restrict uh, early voting, uh, greatly restrict drop boxes. Talk about what, what you find most egregious, but then um, I think we'll, we'll just then jump right into the metaphor of Governor Evers as a hockey goalie. Well, and that's her. I was going to go right off right away because we're so fortunate for that, but uh, the most egregious, that is really um, a hard one to wrap my head around because it's all this one package, you know, and you, when you sit through hearings like I have where they, they just rattle them off and the, the first immediate hearing we had right after the election was a joint hearing assembly and, 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 uh, and Senate and, uh, and it was just invite only. Um, so you know who they invited, and we and as we try to sit through it, they also uh, would not allow us to ask questions. Um, so we were so we were held hostage to try to listen. So my fellow Democrats in that committee, by the way, they all attended virtually. I went in person with mask on, among all of these maskless um, germ, germs that were that were in the room, but. That we had a we we finally agreed we were walking out. Well, you know that meant I was walking out and demonstration for the rest of the Democrats. But then we watched from from uh, from our offices um, this scandalous thing. But it was but what I'm trying to get at it is it's just one big mess that they that they're trying to uh, to invoke this all of these issues with like like you just said it's it's. Um, the very harmless and the smart idea of actually registering and then taking ballots in in a park during a pandemic by trained officials, you know, it wasn't like going into the hands of anyone. Um, that, but they've really lashed onto that. The the idea that in fact, um, how how dare us take private funds into a community when, of course, we're withholding funds from the state, like we, you know, for our municipalities. So being able to take funds from uh, private donors into municipalities, which, by the way, over 200 municipalities receive those funds, but they're targeting only the five major democratic they're cities. Only um, only those that. communities? That's, that, that sounds odd. Senator. Yeah, how about that? You know, yeah. what, what, the no suspicion there of what, what they're what they're about. You know, so, <laughs> and but I've I've always been, by the way, for early voting, drop boxes. They do it all. They do it in states like Washington and Oregon, and I think Colorado now. I mean, it's very safe. They've been doing it for years, and it allows voters the opportunity to actually study their ballot. Oh my goodness, you don't want educated voters, do you? But you know. Get that ballot in their hands. They get a chance to study it, um, ask questions, and and make a wise decision, and then return the ballot. Gee, it sounds like a terrible democratic idea, it's right? A, it sounds sounds like democracy to me. Uh, Sarah, you want to get the last question in here in our final minute? 
Yeah, uh, Senator, you touched on something so interesting. These other states that have been doing mail-in ballots do so through a bipartisan effort and they love it and they don't have the issues the the fear tactics that we heard about don't actually come true what advice do you have for talking about this in a way that actually resonates with people because nothing about this is scandalous it actually saves us taxpayers money this should be a no-brainer i would think sarah i wish i had the answer how we can educate people in in a uh, uh have a dialogue let's just say how we can have a really good dialogue with everyone. All I can do is sit on the side of the road, put my big sign up and say, stop and talk to me and have those one-on-one -on -one conversations as much as possible and hope they hope I'm doing what I can do. I hope everyone else can do what they can do and, and do it in a friendly way. I mean, we can, you know, I understand why you might be concerned. Let's talk about what, what, you're, what you're afraid of and let's, let's talk about what's actually happening there. And by the way, I, um, I'll say one last thing about this, about some of this silliness is that, you know, Mike, again, I'm, I'm going to time to Mike Lindell as much as possible because you got, because Lindell is actually uses in his video, Clark County and says 23,000 votes were flipped back from, from uh, Trump to Biden. And oh my goodness, I hate to tell you this, but you know, I'm sorry to say they only got 10,700 votes for Trump, but they only got 4,500 votes for Biden in Clark County. And that poor Republican clerk has really been uh, struggling there with, with the accusations flying around. It, it, it's so true. She, she you know, the, the, the clerks are suffering. They don't want this to be happening. They want, um, you know, the, they've worked hard to keep their election secure. You've been trying to do this one conversation at a time. Folks who aren't from around the Eau Claire area don't know his legendary stop and talk with a, uh, a, a, a hand-painted sign uh, that was made by one of his daughters when she was six, I believe. And then he sets up a lawn chair on the shoulder of the road. People come up and talk to him. And it's, I mean, that, that's the way it should get done. And and God bless him for it. Senator Jeff Smith, we appreciate your time. Thanks so much, buddy. Thank you. We'll take uh, one more break and then we'll wrap things up here up north. Oh, yes. We're back up north. I'm Kirk Bankstad. I'm Sarah Yacoub. I'm Pat Kreitlow. And if I've learned one thing from years of deer hunting with my dad and his friends in the woods of Trempolo County, it's that I do not have the capability of staying quiet long enough to go hunting with my dad and his friends in the woods of Trempolo County. Uh, but not only is that some prime deer hunting land, it's got its fair share of bears. And we're told, Sarah, that news isn't when dog bites man, it's when man bites dog. But in this case, it's apparently when bear bites man and the man from Eau Claire lives to tell about it. Yes. So in the spirit of, you know, Wiss Mama Bear, I keep an eye out for bear stories. And it just so <laughs> happens that last Saturday, uh, a gentleman from Eau Claire, not Senator Jeff Smith, no, uh, no. was sitting up in his There's a few more. There's a few more up in Eau Claire. Yeah, right. A few more. Yes. <laughs> and he's up in his in his stand bow hunting deer. And he sees this black bear in the distance and he thinks, oh, that's cool. And grabs his camera and films him. And the bear is sort of meandering around. And it's at the point that the bear is at the base of his stand that he thinks, you know, I should probably have both my hands here. So he stops filming. Well, the bear decides I'm going to climb on up because he's smarter than your average bear, you know, um, being a Wisconsin bear and all. And um, next thing the guy knows, the bear's sitting next to him. He's got a paw against a part of his body. 
and he's feeling the back camouflage get tighter and he realizes he's being gnawed on. Uh, so the guy throws an elbow, gets the bear away, gets big and scary. Eventually the bear decides I'm done with this and climbs back down, but then sort of keeps eyes on him. And apparently this guy needs 22 tetanus shots now, oh but he tell about it and even posted a picture of his bear bite. <laughs> um, the, the, the thing that would have been different with me, apart from uh, a very high pitched scream, uh, <laughs> would be the, the bear repellent that I would have used. I, at least I assume that once I peed my pants, you know, he would have said, <laughs> or something worse. He just said, I'm out of here. This is not a picnic basket, boo-boo. Right. Hey, boo-boo. <laughs> it is one of, you know, you, you don't, you don't know. Yeah, obviously nobody wants that, something like that to happen in the woods. I do recall one time um, hunting with my, my dad and his friends. And this was an area with, with uh, just some, some gentle uh, hills you know, not, not very high at all, but he had to kind of go over them a bit, uh, kind of the smallest coolies you've ever seen. And um, we were driving, so we were all kind of separated by, you know, uh, probably 50 yards each. And I'm hearing this, this grunting noise from just over the crest of the, the hill that I'm on. And you can imagine this, I don't know if I was 14, 15 at the time, but, you know, all you could think is, you know, that, it, that it's, it's going to be a bear. And uh, uh, thankfully, it, it wasn't. It was just uh, you know one of one of the hunters making making noises that I didn't appreciate middle aged men make until you know I became a middle aged man myself. Um, that's your bear story, Pat. You that's led my bear up, stories. It you wasn't, had, a, you it had wasn't a, a bear. It was a it was you the had grunting. a two minute bear story that didn't end up with you getting attacked by a bear. Well, I would hope oh my not. God. You know the, the the closest I've got is is a son in law in Idaho who. Uh, um, cross oh, paths, a bear story. Uh, cross paths with a grizzly uh, bear while he was trying to pack out an elk, you know, that he'd taken down too close to sunset and, uh, went back uh, for, for more of the elk and saw some grizzly tracks. And needless to say, um, that was the fastest they ever packed an elk out of the woods late at night. Well, I'm, I'm personally happy. I don't have a bear story, but I'm personally happy that Sarah, uh, thought of put her Wisconsin mama bear hat on and brought this story to us because we've realized that for the last three shows, we've been talking nothing but gloom and doom. And Wisconsinites, at the end of the day, we're a pretty fun bunch of people. And we and we get attacked by bears every now and then, which doesn't happen in a lot of states. So so thank you, Sarah, for uh, for lightening things up a tad for us so we don't we don't have to just uh, mi be mired in the dumps. Every Never day. a dull moment. Well, if that doesn't say something about doom and gloom around here, that we, we needed a bear to attack somebody to count yeah, as to lightning. Be, to be the funny story. <laughs> lightning things up. Wow. Okay. Uh, now that we've set the bar there, let's let's see if we can uh, do something that does not involve animal puncture wounds to uh, to a human in, in Wisconsin. Uh, hey, as always, again, we appreciate our guests, uh, Attorney Chris Bremer from Minocqua and Senator Jeff Smith from Eau Claire. Uh, I think we should have them both back at some point. They, they oh, they're back every season for sure. One yep. of them apparently is your brother from another mother. Yeah. Chris Bremer is, I mean, even though she's way too young, I kind of feel some maternal love towards her as well. So there's a bit of a family going on here up north, I think. She has been, she, she is a great mentor to, to many folks. And so we, we do appreciate that. So thank you, Sarah. Thank you, Kirk. We'll uh, talk to you again soon. And thanks to all of you for joining us up north. We'll see you next week. Washington.